Welcome to the Take 92 Podcast. This is Sammy Warmhands. I am your host. And today's guest is one half of Double Dragon out of the Bay Area in California. He is a producer, MC, singer, multi-instrumentalist by the name of Danny G. And we did this interview over the phone. So I'm going to start out with some goofing around while we figure that out. We should do something t- to mark the, the time, you know? One, two, three. All right, so we're going to bark on the count of three. And I mean after three, like the yeah. four is bark, all right? Okay, all right. All right, uh, you count off because you're the host. One, two, three. Roof! Cool. It'll work. It's good enough, I'm sure. <laughs> That'd be a really funny place to start the episode. <laughs> just rough. All right. I was just in your neighborhood and we were going to do this interview and it was just impossible timing wise. So we're doing this over the phone. I haven't exactly done this before. I'll be gentle. Should I should I look at a picture of you while we're talking? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's pretty interesting. I was actually going to suggest that we just straight up FaceTime each other, but I think you would laugh at my mic stand that I'm using right now. Should I describe it to the listeners? Oh, sure. Yeah. Right. So I just moved into my new place in San Francisco, moved in with my uh, lovely girlfriend, Meredith, and I haven't yet brought all of my things from my old house here. So my home studio, you know, I got the speakers, my interface, laptop, keyboard, forgot a mic stand, didn't think about it until I came home from work today. So I have a backpack with a shirt, two scarves, and a jacket holding my microphone in place right now. I feel like that warrants a picture. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sure, I'll take one right now then. And um, All right. I'm using my uh, guitar stand. I took the guitar out, and I'm using my guitar stand to hold my uh, my clip-on pop filter right now. Nice. This is nice. DIY to the max, folks. I found what works for me right now is I'm looking across the room at my mannequin. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna look at her while I speak to you. It's kind of weird, but whatever you're into, Sam. <laughs> So um, we should go back a little bit. You and I have done a couple of tours together with your group, Double Dragon. I look back very fondly, specifically on the Vacant Eyes tour, as being like the most efficient, probably the most efficient tour that I've, I've been on, where we had Skeptic running, you know, doing the, the tour managing thing. You know, he had booked it, so he knew all the contacts and all that and was settling up with promoters and you were running the sound every night and I was driving and, uh, you know, Doug's hauling the, the merch and the gear and, and it was, it was rad. Um, did you, uh, how, how did you feel that tour went for you? Vegan eyes was, yeah, vacant eyes. It was, um, kind of frightening, you know, uh, Sam was kind of um I'm right here. You're talking to me. I I considered Sam <laughs> who is this beautiful green potted monster that I'm looking at. <laughs> um he's beautiful. Monster is a term of endearment. He's 
lot of skills on that man. Um, it was frightening because, you know, you, you were like this, this next level in the industry, like not like the next level, but like you were a higher up for sure. You know, like we have like us and then like our little brother people that we have around us. And then we have our higher ups here in the Bay area, but you were like, you were like a higher up super mega rap guy from another state that, (laughs) that we like saw who was like friends with our friends. And there was a lot of pressure on me, honestly. And I was just like, all right, don't be a fucking douchebag. Don't be a piece of shit. And then immediately I just started bleeding, you know, dirty jokes. And then I was like, well, gone too far now. Oh, no, that was great. (laughs) You never know. It's always a constant source of amusement Um, (laughs) from that first that first day driving back from Reno. We're like, man. What is with this dude? <laughs> well, I'm glad that I'm such a character or whatever you think I am. But in the best way. Um, now, that said, uh, I still wrestle with the... Uh, like, Chad tried to pay me some compliment like that on... Uh, oh, sorry, he hates that. Skeptic tried to pay me a Was that similar- him texting you like, hey, don't you fucking call me Chad? Don't say my name. I know you said my fucking name. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, he, he said something similar on our interview and I like I don't know how to take that stuff because I still feel like a piece of crap. And so it's, it's like, on one hand, it's r- really nice to hear people say things like that because I've, I've worked a long time and really hard to hopefully get, uh, you know, somewhere with mm-hmm. this music thing mm-hmm. um but also it's really foreign territory to hear things like what you just said <laughs> like i don't i don't see it that way at all but i'm really glad that that you guys did because that that means i'm doing something right you know it's like you can't observe yourself you know like i don't Absolutely. i don't know how i don't know how other people perceive me and so i probably have the same mindset for the last five, ten years of, like, just climbing up a hill um, and never never making any progress. Like, I'm treading water or something. Well, you're further up the hill than I am, and I have a lot of respect for you for getting that far up the hill because, you know, sometimes you're climbing up this hill, and I'm like, God damn, can we just pull over and get a fucking cheeseburger? And then I'm like, well, Sam probably didn't do that. So I just keep going and kind of follow in your footsteps. You you know what? This is random, but last night I'm mixing at one thirty in the morning. I send uh, a Facebook status that says something about uh, uh, my band. I'm I'm really glad to have my band back. Mm-hmm. And then like five minutes later, I get a phone call from a dude I played with years ago in Denver. And I'm like, did this guy just butt dial me or something? Like, what's happening? And I pick it up, and sure enough, there he is, calling me in the middle of the night because he saw I had posted online and he knew I was up, and was like, "Man, I just wanted to say, like, you know, I've really been struggling through this music thing, and I, you know, I, I keep seeing you out there touring and 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 pushing on, and it's it's just inspiring, it's awesome." And I'm like, "I haven't heard from you in how long?" <laughs> and you're calling me in the middle of the night to. I mean, like, it was weird. I was thrown off. I was like, wow, this guy's, like, proud of me. And at the same time, it was such an unexpected conversation that I, d- I didn't know how to, how to handle it. So that was my last night. 
And now you're telling me this today. So I guess I'm doing something right. I don't fucking know. But I think you guys are doing something right because, I mean, out of everybody I've toured with, and there's been a lot of them at this point, we hit it off. We're Like, I consider you and and Skeptic uh, really good friends, man. I thought you guys were professional and you went up there and, and fucking killed it every night. Oh, well, thanks so much, Sam. Again, this is like really cool coming from you. You know, that's great that you, you think of us, you know, when, when you asked us to tour with you again, I was kind of like, why? Like, does, <laughs> does does he think we're just like a shitty opener that like, he'll be like, cool, I could murder these guys every night. Or does he like <laughs> actually like us or whatever? Like, I don't You'll know. You'll make me look really good every night. Yeah. Like you know. if, if I just get these guys to go up there and suck, then I can kill it. I mean... It's an it's it's a good tactic. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's pretty smart <laughs> I of don't, you. I don't think so. So you I, admit it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you caught on. No, I, I've had people come up to me a lot of times and and be like, "Man, I I love seeing you when you come to town because you always bring really cool acts with you on tour. Like, mm-hmm. and, and you know they're always from different parts of the country, and like it's always something new and I haven't seen before. And uh, so. I heard that enough times where I almost feel a pressure to not bring anyone that I'm not like fully confident in, you know? <laughs> oh, wow. And so like at, at this point, I would definitely not be out with you if I had any doubt that you weren't going to kill it, you know? Nice. One cool thing that I like about touring with different people is, is the stuff that you pick up from, from those people. You know, uh, I sent you a text the other day that I... You just like, you really had me inspired and I was like writing these verses and I was just like, how would Sam put this verse together? Like, what, what would he do? You know, like how would he string the words? And it's just, just like, cause think about rap in a very different way. You know, your song subjects, I find them all so like relatable and like, I can listen to them and be like, yeah, that's what he's fucking talking about. I feel that same fucking way. Fuck yeah. Nice. And, um, and uh, Chad and I were talking about. He calls them tour dads. Some people are tour dads. Some people are like tour big brothers. But you're definitely like my tour big brother. And like we toured like twice together now. And it's like, it's just like really cool. You know, like watching you perform and seeing how you control the crowd. And it's just like every time I'm like, fuck, that was such a good idea. Like, why didn't I ever think of doing that? Oh, yeah. I only have like three verses. So it wouldn't work. Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, I, th- I think that stuff's great, and exactly what you're what you're saying that like every time you go out with somebody new, you are learning from each other and and watching how someone puts a set together or how they interact with the crowd or how they set up a song the right way, you know, to to make it more effective and stuff like that. And I like when we have a show and you know we're driving or we're at a hotel or wherever and we're like you know, talking with each other about each other's sets and kind of breaking it down. And like, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I can't observe myself, you can't observe yourself. So we're kind of like giving each other feedback a lot. And uh, uh, I think all that stuff just helps us all be better performers. Um, And especially the thing I, I really like doing on tour is integrating the acts throughout the night. So it's definitely like one tour package Mm -hmm. you know the more that we're doing cameos in each other's sets and then also like we're tight off stage it's not like we go our separate ways you know like everyone's together and and we're talking about how to make it the best show we can and we go up there and do it 
but then the finale, we all come up together. I feel like that really shows something. It's a different experience than just like, here's three dudes that happen to perform together. Yeah. I definitely like that, that we did that last tour with everybody on the, on the final song. The only thing that was strange to me was that me, the least rapper of all, had to have the last verse at the end of every night. And I was just like, oh, my God, like you guys are all so talented. And here I am like, I got some words to say on beat, you know, like. Here's the thing, though, like like however you feel about your verse comparing to anyone else, like I I didn't no one else is judging you for that like you are thinking because I've heard you say that before, mm-hmm. but the thing that made that work is that you came up with the, the machine and you're playing the beat live while we're all rapping. So you're adding an element to my set that wasn't previously there. And then we get everybody up there and we're passing it around. And for the most part, you don't rap in the set. You'll do choruses and backups and stuff. And you, you know, you rap here and there in your set, but I don't think the expectation is there that you're going to rap. And so when you would have when you would have me and then Ogar and then Gradient and then Skeptic, I think people are thinking it's done. And when you grab the mic and sometimes you sneakily did it. Like you would you would just kind of take it and hold it like by your side. Tee-hee. You know, you wouldn't be getting up there like, "Oh, I'm I'm next." You know, you'd be kind of laying in the back still playing the beat. And then you just like slide in and be fucking rapping. And I think that element of surprise was so cool that, again, regardless of what you think, like comparing bars, it's not like a record where people are going to be listening to the song over and over and over and over and and going, oh, this guy did this and this guy did that. Like, you know, it's an experience. It's a live moment. And I, I feel like the way that you just kind of snuck up in there and fucking did it had this awesome like surprise at the end of the show so i think it worked really well nice i appreciate the uh, positive reinforcement you know i try not to think about that stuff like positive reinforcement too often because i don't want to get like full of myself so i kind of have this weird thing um from a creative standpoint where i'm always just like man i fucking suck right now i need to get better and improve or like i'm never gonna be anything i just always it's just how i push myself so Sometimes I'm just, I think we have that in common. Yeah. That's like what I was saying. It's really weird for me to hear shit like that. So, you know, like Chad will always balance it out. He'll tell me a thing and then I'll like, I'll be looking at him funny or something while he's saying it. <laughs> and then he'll, he'll like give me a little fuck you afterward. You know, he'll be like, there, I know you're more comfortable when I, when I put you down. I'm like, yeah, thanks. That's what I deserve. <laughs> just, just like my family would do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny how that works. Um, but your, your dad was actually, or is, uh, a musician. He's a DJ, right? He sure is. He, uh, works at a place so, where we played on the beginning of the Vacant Eyes tour. He is the uh, house DJ at the Mo- Mojo Mojo's? Lounge, which we call Mojo's. Um, yeah, DJ's there every Thursday. Was that kind of the reason that you got, got into music was just cause he was always playing stuff or did you have a different, um gateway well uh so you know everybody listens to music or loves music or whatever but yeah my dad being a dj he would always show me all kinds of music and uh, my mother actually was a dancer and so she was into different kinds of music and they were into the same kind of music and my dad would have these parties and every time there was a party there was always like 
multiple DJs and they would all just like switch off and you'd be spinning vinyl. And, you know, as a kid, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, yeah, this is just like what normal life is or whatever. And this is what parents do. Right? This is, this is what parents do. What'd you parents play this weekend? Uh, we played chess. Well, that's fucking weird. My dad was, you know, playing like Rakim and like KRS one and shit. And they're like, what the fuck is that? And I'm like, it's, it's music, dude. Whoop, whoop. You don't know that no, song? You don't know? Whoop, whoop. That's the sound of music that your dad should play. And um, <laughs> so, you know, I was around it all the time. And what really, really got me into music was, um, you know, one day I wanted to be a singer. I was like, I would sing songs to my dad. And he's like, yeah, get into music. It's great or whatever. You know, my uncle who passed away before I was born was a drummer. And he was like, we, we have all this music in our family. You should do it. And I would, I would uh, listen to like Chili Peppers Scar Tissue and sing the whole slide bar solo and be like, what if I was mm. just a singer and I just like sang solos and just did stuff like that. And he was like, yeah, you do it, son. And then, um, and then I realized the instrument I, I should have been learning this whole time was guitar. Um, actually, it's a great story. I love telling it. This, this band, Hugas, um, which is a half acronym for Who Gives a Shit. They're like a really cool hip-hop funk band out of um, Bay Area here. And I went to their lead singer, Brandon's wedding, and my dad brought me, because as a DJ, you know, he DJs weddings too, because the gig is a gig. And I would go and help them set up cables, whatever, ask the bride and groom when they wanted to do whatever, get lists. Anyways, in the middle of the whole, um, the reception, you know, my dad's like, hey, go hand him this mic and this stand and plug this in or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, like what the hell is going to happen? And all the lights go down except for like a spotlight in the middle. And this guy's down on one knee and he's playing a song for his wife. And, you know, I was like 12 years old at the time. And I just watched this like in absolute awe, like listening to him sing his heart out in a song that he wrote to like the woman that he wanted to marry, that he did just marry. And I told myself, that's what I want to do. I want to make music and I want to be able to sing to people I love and I want to be able to sing about things and make music. Like that's, that's so beautiful what he's doing right there. I want to do that one day for my future wife, you know, or my kids. And I told my dad, like, I want a guitar. And I told all my family members, so... That Christmas, birthday, whatever, I got my first electric and my first acoustic. That, I think that's great. That shows a lot of your character, I feel like, that that is your inspiration. Because you, you do approach it not with this, like, something to prove like a lot of people do. I feel like you do it with this genuine love and enthusiasm that's, that just comes through really clear that you just enjoy what you do. I really do. It definitely helps me out, you know, it's like, it's the easiest way for me to cope with anything, you know, uh, whether it be a Game of Thrones episode or, <laughs> or like a family member dying or a breakup or just a hard day, you know, or even happy stuff. I mean, I don't, it wouldn't be coping, but just expressing myself and, um, you know, I had some problems as a kid, you know, my parents got divorced, that shit tears you apart, had to see like all kinds of psychiatrists and doctors and I took medicine and then, you know, I realized I could just be making music and expressing myself instead of like taking medication to, you know, to suppress yeah, it. Yeah. And it's pretty much just how I've been ever since I was like 15 or 16 and life is much better now. I wanted to ask you on that note, um, 
the the guy who called me last night when we were talking about you know the music and the struggle and and him watching me or whatever um he was saying how how hard it was like the more personal he got the more afraid he was to share it but it felt good making it and he liked listening back to it but he felt like this is you know i don't i don't know if anyone will understand or whatever and and we have this thing where we use music as a therapeutic way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, but then we also have this, like, it it causes a lot of the stress in other ways of us. Like on the business side of things, there's all this work and, and stress and and disappointment that kind of comes along with being a DIY so much musician. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like me and, me and Crosby, uh, Odar, we've talked about this a lot of times. Like, man... I almost think life would be easier if I didn't have this this thing because as much as it helps it also is the source of like all the uh the aspirations that you can't quite reach and all all that kind of stuff or or like maybe you you went too far on this one and and you it felt good to write but you can't put it out cuz this person will hear it and it'll cause this whole other thing like it's it's a really double-edged sword you know it's it's kind of a it's a scary place to be, you know, like it's not just like and I'm not I'm not trying to demean this this artistic form, but like, you know, you you make a painting and you're expressing yourself and sometimes the the meaning of your painting can can be like a very like real thing, like you got in a fight with your best friend and you just made this like wicked painting, but like you could show it to that person and they'd be like, wow, this is a great painting or whatever, and not be like, oh my yeah. God, this is about me. But like when you write about song or when you write songs and you write about situations or friends and it's so, you know, you talk about like that day we were on the river and you <laughs> said that you fucked my wife. And they'd be like, dude, why did you write this song about me? It's like, you fucked my wife. That's why I wrote the song. Like, yeah, uh, it's it's hard because it's hard to hide that stuff. And if you if you put it out, I just I we talked about this before, but it's it's just so frightening to me. Like, you know what they might like an emotion you can't express to them in words or face to face sometimes. But then you put it in a song and then you're like, is this better? Is This might be worse than, than just like talking to them about what happened or what I feel, you know? And so I think it could go either way. It depends on what it is. Like you're right. I think we did talk about this on uh, the Rare Form tour for a minute. Um, and I had this recent experience where, like, I wrote a song about my parents' divorce back when I was young, because I just found out some fucked up shit about it recently. And um, I, I wrote in an acoustic song um, about it, and I wrote from her perspective and from his perspective. You know, I told my mom I was doing this little coffee shop gig to to work out some new acoustic songs. Mm-hmm. And I warned her, like, I'm going to play a song about uh, what we discussed. You know, if you're not comfortable with that, you know, maybe don't go. But I want to invite you. And so she came and, and you know, she actually had really good feedback. She's like, oh, I love how you told the story from both angles. I like how you did this. and And I'm like, I'm glad you could, you know, find a way to get that out for you, you know, and she, and she was cool. Cause I thought like I was revealing too much of her st- story or whatever, you know, and, and, and she was cool with it. So like, sometimes it could go that way. Other times, like I make a song like endless excuses, which is a funny lighthearted song kind of. And I have multiple people I work with. They're like, so that's about me. Right. Uh, 
<laughs> and I'm like, if well, shoe no, fits. but yes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's about everyone kind of, you know, I guess all of you that asked me about it. Yeah, you sure. Know, because because of that not, song, I know when to pay my rent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a helpful reminder to everyone. <laughs> um, I, by the way, sidebar so real quick. I love that song and it's just, like, you know, it's constantly just in my head and... And like I had, a, I had a friend yesterday, and he hit me up and was like asking us to hang out. And I like I saw his message, and I was like in the middle of doing stuff, and I like walked away. And then like ten minutes later, I heard Doug say like the least that you could do is go and tell me, or like the least that you could do is tell me that you couldn't see me. And I was like, ah, hey dude, you know yep. what? I can't hang out tonight. I'm actually like I got something to do. It's just not a good night for me. And I was like, all right, cool. I feel better now. But like it put a pressure on me to like help <laughs> me be a better person. You know, like. Just, just let him know. Like, and it's not like I wasn't gonna do it, but like, it's possible that I would have forgotten because I didn't do it right away. And, and yeah. the song just helps me out. And again, paying rent. You know, I paid my rent early today because I was like, man, the first of the month is coming up. I gotta pay my goddamn rent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ogar Burl. <laughs> I like that one too. It's when I, I just did the, a few solo dates, and uh, it was. It was kind of sad that I didn't get to put that song in my set because I like doing it so much every so night. So fun. Tired but, of the endless um, excuses. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun one. I guess I just wanted to throw out a couple different takes on that because a lot of artists talk about how music is very therapeutic and it's, you know, it's so good for you and so this and that. And I completely agree. And those... Those qualities are obvious, I think, from the outside. But I also think someone who's listening to a show like this might be interested in other perspectives that musicians might have. And it's also like, and I guess that's, well, I'll write something like Vacant Eyes or like, uh, well, the remix anyhow, or or The End is Inevitable, where, you know, I kind of talk about that, like, in a way, we're also torturing ourselves in a, you know, just by the way that this industry is set up, you know, it's kind of built in disappointment from, from any angle kind of. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like we set ourselves up to fail. Like it's, but we keep doing it. And I, I, I often think to myself, like, am I a smart and resilient man for continuing this for so long? Or am I just plain dumb as bread for you know, doing this every day when I could be, you know, working a job that gives me health benefits or something, you know? I See, that's that's the thing, though. Like, for me, it's about the process. I enjoy the process. Even when there's all those little bumps along the way, you know, the making of the record and the writing the song and then the the going out there and, and performing and sharing the album with people like I feel like that is so much bigger than the problems that come along with it like like they're there they're always there you know and sometimes you're out there on tour and you wind up playing for two people at the end of the night you know mm-hmm. on a Monday in Tucson you know and that's upsetting but it's just, I think managing your expectations. Like, I would do this anyway. You would do this anyway. Absolutely. 
Even if it wasn't public, if it was just for your friends, you know? I mean, yeah, I was doing would... it in private for so long, and only recently have I started even going public. Just, just kind of worked out that way. And, you know, I make so much music just for myself that, like, nobody hears, cause, and which I think a lot of artists do, and it's important, you know? That's, like, that's the fun part. I have songs where I'm like, oh, yeah, like, this is going to be great. People are probably going to like this one. And then other ones, I'm like... I don't know if anybody will get this, but I'm having a great time right now. <laughs> like, this is yeah. fun for me. What is your process like? Because you are a producer, multi-instrumentalist, and, and vocalist. Um, so wh- how does your process tend to be? Is it, is it spontaneous and random, or is it you have a routine? I mean, how do you create Oh boy, this is always a fun thing that I like talking about. Um, my oh boy and breath might have made it seem like I didn't like talking about it, but it's just, <laughs> I, I, I like it. All right, so check this out. I basically, you know, like I said before, I always, I put myself down and I'm always telling myself I need to be better, <laughs> at least with music. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to create. Something about, you know, like I said, the creating and expressing myself, it made me feel better and it helped me cope. And sometimes when I couldn't do that, you know, when I couldn't create, I I didn't have a way to cope. And I'd be really sad, you know, I'd have uh, sleep for dinner or something. And and it Mm, it just because I had nothing else to do, I just give up. And, um, you know, I started spending a lot of time reading online and thinking about it myself. How can I just create? if I'm struggling to create, you know, which is like a weird question. And, um, honestly, I have, I have so many ways. I kind of just, you know, creating is like, it's a familiar place. Like it's, you've been there a lot, but sometimes getting into a creative like zone is just like, it's hard. It's like, a, it's like you have a house with like a front door that it's like hard to see, but you know the fucking front door is there, but sometimes the front door changes what side of the building it's on. So you kind of like got to walk around the building to like tap and this is hollow. This could be a door and then you push it open and boom. So it's, it's always different for me, but I just keep trying. I, I don't like to let myself fail anymore because I just feel so bad if I can't do it, you know, like it's a real thing. And I, I've explained this to my girlfriend before, like, you know, sometimes if I'm just acting like a dick or, like, freaking out, it's probably because I have to go, like, make music or, like, practice or, like, write a song or do something. Even if it's just I make, like, a a small hook or, like, a simple, like, song with, like, three changes in it, something repetitive, something catchy, anything. I just, I have to do it, and I'll feel so good. I'll feel so much better. So, you know, I'll start, let's say I'm making a beat and, uh... I have a guitar line and I'm like, oh, this guitar line is going to be really cool. And I, and I, and I come up with it. Actually, I have a perfect, for perfect example. Um, we have a song called Eros Shrugged. Um, I just call it three way cause it's funner for me. And, uh, it's not no. gay <laughs> if it's in a three way, it's okay. Oh yeah. It's from that SNL skit, right? Yeah. Lonely yeah, Island. They're great. Um, the song three way it's, I, I call it three way because skeptic, wrote the song and each verse is a different perspective of a different human in a love triangle. And, um, it, the song started out like I was, I was with my girlfriend, um, Meredith. So I can stop saying my girlfriend. 
uh, I was with Meredith and she was at my house and we were just having a great time. And, you know, I love the fuck out of her and shit. <laughs> I was just hanging out with her and I was just like overfilled with these positive emotions. And I was like, can I just have like half an hour to just like sit down and play guitar? Like I just wanted to like capture that moment. And she was like, yeah, sure. Whatever dork. And she like read or something. I don't even remember. She wasn't, Im- she wasn't important <laughs> anymore when I started playing guitar. <laughs> She fucked off for a while <laughs> while I could play the guitar. Hey, why don't you just go fuck off while I put my six string on my back and walk around like a Bon Jovi song? <laughs> um, and I picked up my guitar and I started playing this like beautiful riff that you hear in the beginning of the song. And I was like, that is so cool. And she was like, you know, I like it. And I was like, shut up, bitch. I didn't ask you. No, um, I was like, cool, you know, she likes it. This is great. So, <laughs> See, this this is the shit I was talking about with you. <laughs> um, I'm not so sure. My mom uh, installed the off switch on me sometimes. And um, she just left that part in the box. So I'm playing this guitar part, and I'm like, oh, this is great. And I was like, what if I sampled it? You know, and at this point, I'm just like, oh, I'm just filled with ideas. And she's kind of just like, yeah, you know, like all she can do is say yes, um, because that's what you do in improv. You always say yes. Uh, Segway. We met in drama class in high school. So that's like stupid, stupid jokes to us. So she's like, yeah, you know, great. Do it. You know, being supportive and positive is a very important role when you're just improvising, which, you know, we're improvising every day of our life. So I just I recorded it into the machine and then I chopped it up and then I was like oh so it starts like this and then I chop it up this way and then I chop it up this way and then I was like oh what if I put like a bass line that follows it and I was like oh that's so cool what if I put drums that change up and then I just I had a song in like an hour and a half and I was like all right you know what I feel great let's go let's go back to the happy feelings I'll I'll mess with that later and then we have songs like uh why wolves where I just put on a metronome to a click and I was like, I'm making a beat right now and it's going to be the one called why wolves or whatever. I, and I just put on a metronome like, and I played my guitar to that. Like, but I had this like swing to it that was like very just, it felt natural to me. I was on beat, but I wasn't like perfect to the 16th notes. So I thought like, oh, you know, it'd be a fun idea. What if I, I recorded my drums and played them as closely to my natural swing as possible. And then I go in and I edit them in uh, Logic and I make them perfectly match up with the swing of my guitar. So I did that to that song because nice. it just seemed like a fun project at the time. And I just feel like, when you're creating, you kind of just have to like nothing, nothing else matters. Like just don't tell yourself, no, any idea is a good idea until proven bad. And, um, you kind of just got to do it. And if you're, if, if, if I'm having problems creating, you know, like I'll, I'll sit down and try and make a beat and I'll be like, cool drums. And then I'll make drums and be like, these are all shit drums. All right. That has <laughs> been half an hour of shit. And then I'll just like pick up my guitar and be like, cool, well, guitar isn't working either. Maybe I'll uh, try and play the keyboard. Keyboard doesn't do anything. And then, well, I have the beautiful bass over here and I'll pick up the bass and go, yeah, yeah, this is what I needed right here. This is the bass. And then I'll like find a cool little riff and a tempo and then everything fits together. You know, you just got to find the right way to, to get in there. I just, you know, can't give up. That's nice, man. I I find that I bounce from project to project 
like you bounce from instrument to instrument. Like if I sit down to write a lyric and the lyric isn't coming, then maybe I'll decide to work on a mix for something else I need to finish. Like, oh, I'm not in that creative space, but, you know, I could work on this other thing that's a different kind of process, mm -hmm. you know. I think that's cool that you're like, no, I'm going to fucking write a song today. <laughs> it's happening, you know, like I need, I need to do it. Um, and that's just with creating. Sometimes, you know, with like mixing, there's like mixing for mixing to make everything sound good and make everything fit. And then there's like creative mixing where you just like try and really bring like energy and essence and life to a song. And sometimes the elements fall together perfectly and sometimes they don't, but like jumping between mixes is a thing that like, you know, when you, when you're, when you're recording an album for someone, which you have and I have, so we both can relate here. I know that for me, at least sometimes I'll like pull up a song and start mixing it. And I'll be like, all right, this is a cool vibe. This sounds good. And then pull up another one and be like, this is a cool vibe. And then I'll find like this one song and be like, Oh, what if they had this vibe in common though? And then I'll go back through and like try and, you know, like super punchy drums and then make them all fit. And some songs don't all have to match the whole album, but you know. No, I'm with you completely. I, I just had Cerebral Cortex over here and we went through with his notes from my, my first mix of mm -hmm. his album. That was like the first thing that he said he's like i don't have a lot of notes that's pretty much all perfect he's like but he's like this song is easily the shit like this is my favorite one of the whole batch he's like you know if we can capture a little more of that you know on on these other couple songs he's like we'll, we'll have it made and i'm totally the kind of person who when it comes to mixing anyway well i guess i guess if i'm doing an album in any way I will do binge sessions, like marathon sessions. Like, oh, we need to do the drums for 16 songs? Cool. Let's block out the next three days and do all nice. of this. You know? And if I do mixes, it's the same way. It's like, okay, maybe I'll do a first draft and then put it away for a month and come back and do it again. But I, I try to do all the songs back to back because I, I, once I get into a good vibe that that is a somewhat spontaneous like creative thing i want to ride that out and capture it yeah. you know I, I that that's huge for me oh shit. not so sure what happened here folks it appears that uh sammy warm hands has hung up on me so one two three woof, woof. And we're back! Yeah, for some fucking reason, someone was calling me, and I hit the wrong button to shut him up, so I lost you. That's what they, that's what they all say, Sam. I don't remember where I was exactly, but yeah, like I, once I get into a groove, it's like I, I want to, to extend that to the whole batch, you know, and, and just ride that momentum. And then maybe after uh, you know, a long day or a long couple of days of doing that, I'll put it away. And you can come back and make your tiny adjustments, but like, I don't know, there's something, to me anyway, that's that's just about once you get there and it's working, to just do that, you know? Yeah. That's why I work in the middle of the night so often, you know? Like, I'll, No interruptions. You know, have dinner or whatever, and, you know, maybe my wife goes to bed maybe 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock, I'll be like, all right, cool. 
And I'll go out and work on mixes till four in the morning or something because that's when you get the most done. Like I just had a phone call that interrupted this interview. I don't like that. Yeah, I people, don't li- people always you know, want to talk to you when the sun's up, but when the sun goes down, nobody gives a fuck about you, right? Yeah, and it's really nice. It feels wonderful. Yeah, I do the same thing. It's like you get your 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 social obligations done, you know, during the day, but but at night that's that's the the studio time. Oh yeah. That's some of my favorite times to be in the studio. It's I mean like I I definitely have a lot of clients that want to, you know, they book sessions at 7 p.m. starting time. And I'm like, cool, let's do it. Let's roll through into the night, you know? And um, definitely pisses me off when someone's like, so like we start the session at 8 a.m. I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> why? But I mean, of course I do it, but I'm just like, oh, what? Uh, who does this? I actually don't. Like, I, I don't. I used to not book a session before noon, and now I don't do it before 2. Nice. Because I want to be able to perform my function you know yeah like if you want me to push buttons i can do that anytime but like if you want me to actually be you know engaged <laughs> you know and uh uh alert you know if you want me to be a producer then uh let's let's do that in in sam hours yeah i promise i can give you a better product product yeah if you um if you start working with me after 2 p.m i'm part of that team yeah definitely well, let's uh, let's jump back to uh, uh, Double Dragon. Squad. So, yeah, you guys are. Uh, I'm just gonna assume some familiarity. If if people are listening to this show, they've you know they've probably at least seen our names on a flyer together a bunch. Um, Maybe. So I wanted to just ask where you guys are headed. I know that you're kind of just dabbling with with some new ideas for for the next record but um i guess um i guess let's start with why wolves and because um because that's the answer Mm -hmm. it's in the song cool basically (laughs) now you're you're throwing me off because you're fucking with me um (laughs) see this happens when i try to go into like host mode then i start stumbling you're doing so good, though. I know. I like just bullshitting better, but I also feel like it'd be a disservice to you if I don't talk about the group that you're in, you know? So so then I try to bring it back around, you know? It's good. We got this. We can still come back from this. <laughs> so when when we were on the Vacant Eyes tour last year, you guys had had just dropped that album. I think it dropped while we were out. Sure and, did. Uh, yeah. I guess tell me about that record and and how that was uh, uh, a jump from your from your first stuff well it was certainly a big change because it's the first time we actually um i guess tried um and that i'm sure that sounds so bizarre to hear because no i get it like there's, why, there's yeah. you put more pressure on yourself yeah you know like when we when we did our first project you know, we were on tour together already, um, not as not as a duo yet, but I was the engineer for the tour, you know, getting everybody set up, make sure they knew what what needed to go down or that the venue could, you know, supply us with proper supplies for the night. And I was also documenting 
as a photographer and, you know, taking video and we're just on the road and I don't even think we had ever, I think I might've given him one beat at some point to use for something that never ended up getting used. Um, and he, we were just making jokes like, oh yeah, how about we just make a duo and uh, we call it Double Dragon, and we call the album Side Scroll and Beat 'Em Up. And I was like, okay, let's do it, you know. And uh, one thing that they used to say about me back then, which is really weird, I don't know why, I'm just thinking about it now, is that like if you if you tell Danny an idea, he's probably gonna really try to make the idea happen. And uh, that was one of those things. Like I was like, all right, I'm not gonna fucking let go. Like we're gonna do it. And he was like, okay, let's do it. And we just kind of started making a few songs, and then. It just kind of, you know, like, just for fun. You're like, oh, cool, yeah, we'll make music together. This is cool. Started getting the beats to them, making some songs, and then we're like, wow, we have, like, a lot of songs that we've made now. And then one of our other friends um, from Beasley's Corner Bodega in Pennsylvania, their names are Zeus and Izzy Strange, and their group is Middle Name Danger. They wanted to come to California and go on tour to Vancouver, Canada, and they wanted it to be all duos. And so we had a couple of acts that were going on there. And uh, we were like, what if what if we went on tour? You know, like, we've done it before. We obviously don't hate each other that much, so it shouldn't be that hard. And we have some songs. And I was like, that's in like two fucking weeks. And like I have... <laughs> I haven't even like finished anything. And he was like, dude, come on. Like we should just do it. And I was like, if I'm going to like mix this shit, you're going to have to be in there with me like every night or I'm going to get bored and fall asleep. So, you know, Skep brought his PlayStation four to the studio and, uh, I just mixed all night and we just kept doing that. We mixed every day until the day we left the tour, uh, which was the day after Halloween or Halloween we left on Halloween night and I mixed up until that morning and they aren't my best mixes, but you know, we, we captured the vibe and all those songs. Like we weren't trying to do anything. Like I said, we were just like, okay, how are we going to put these songs together? And then we, we just put them together. And the second album, we were like, let's fucking do this shit for real. Like, I think we really got something special here, baby. Oh yeah, baby. Wait, you got them right. Wait though. Like that is a fucking, amazing origin story i don't think i even knew that really that you guys literally just fucking officialize the group so you could just go on tour like that that's awesome to me that totally embodies like your guys awesome like drive and work ethic but what i'm curious about how did you then put the the album out because i have a cd of it but <laughs> you must there's no way you could have had a cd if you finished mixing the day before you left or the day you left or something. Absolutely right. So and did you have anything on that tour? Yes. So um, <clears throat> funny but shameful and a necessary <laughs> piece to the origin story. Um, you know, we were with all of our other friends who were on tour with us and the ones from Pennsylvania, they were legit. You know, they had their CDs like pressed and ready to go and they brought it with them and it was awesome. And we were like, fuck, that's a thing. Like we need to have CDs. So, you know, we went to um, like an office max somewhere in Sacramento and bought as many CDs as, as we could afford together um, with some money left over to eat for the next few days. Spoiler alert, I ran out of money in Canada. Um <laughs> 
so we, yeah, we just had these blank CDs and um, we would just write on them. And that first batch is somewhere out there along with, um, I think we had stickers done for the first tour too. And if you have one of those, it actually has our name spelled incorrectly as do all the first version of the burn CDs. Oh, we also printed out, like I had the picture on my laptop and we like brought a thumb drive into office max. And we're like, can you, can you, <laughs> can you guys like print stuff off here? And they were like, yeah, sure. And they did it. And it was ridiculous. And it was our first time being that, like my time being a DIY artist to that extreme. And it was wonderful. And you learn lessons and, and you grow, but uh, yeah. So good old office. That's, max that's awesome. And, discs. and to clarify, when you say spelled your name incorrectly, you mean spelled it correctly. Spelled it the right? way you think that it should be spelled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's rad, man. That sounds like a lot of the the groups that I have been in that just start because, fuck, like, we had a song. That was cool. You want to do some more? Let's get together and try out and, you know, see what happens. And then, you know, you get an opportunity and it's like fuck why not you let's let's give it a shot you know and like i've i've been there man burning your cds and and uh trying to get enough before the show that night and and like that's a whole other exciting time as a musician i feel like it is you know it's a it's a good stepping stone and it's just something about it is fun you know and because it's, it's new, that's it was why. It so fresh you know? at the time. Like I said, like we had never done that before. We just kind of like jumped onto the ship like a week before or whatever. And, you know, we, we played our first show as Double Dragon Halloween night on the first day of our first tour, releasing our first album. Wow. Wow. And um, that's why I play Halloween as an instrumental, that this is Halloween. That's we great. Knew, I didn't know that we was We knew why. we were going to release it on that date and... um Chad has another story about that that particular date because if you notice, it's not um, it's not 2013 Halloween. It's like uh, 2009. But uh, I can't tell the story. Next time you're with him or next time he's on the podcast, uh, maybe remember and ask him, and maybe he'll be comfortable enough to tell you if he hasn't told you already. So there was a there was a lot okay. of things, and basically it was just something bad happened to him, and and we were like, you know what, we're gonna make this night different you know it's it, when you think back to halloween you know every year you're not going to think back to that one oh, shitty time yeah. you're going to think about how we started our group played our first show left for our first tour and released our first fucking cd at a skate shop for all of our friends like that's awesome and we did it that's actually really cool you changed the connotation of a of a lifelong memory yeah. you know or, or, or a recurring event for the rest of your life and you you totally can change the the implication of that that that's that's pretty great it's beautiful stuff for sure and i'm glad that we did it for him you know and i'm glad that i got to help and it was great it was figuring out how our live show was going to work was probably one of the hardest things that we ever had to do (laughs) were you then using the machine in the studio at that point um what do you mean like what well, now when when I've seen you, you know, you you have the guitar strap on the machine and you and you bang out the pads at the time where you just um 
playing all the instruments and kind of just doing it in your software or were you actually playing it out on pads like we see now um it was a little different i was definitely very shy back then and you know i i had more songs that were just buttons that i triggered than there were songs that i played and the songs that i did play i i basically i just didn't I didn't know what I was doing, you know, I didn't really have an idea and I and I looked it up so often like live hip hop performances for Native Instruments machine and I there was there was no like oh this is this is yeah. how you do that shit and I was like fuck I there is like no YouTube tutorial no like uh Gear Sluts page on how to do this or whatever so I cuz you're taking very much a studio project uh a you know a one man band and trying to figure out how to perform it that yeah i could see that being pretty daunting yeah, and, and normally you know when you're creating the music every session or every song is a different session and here i am like trying to figure out how the hell i'm gonna turn all of these songs that are supposed to be sessions and like load them into one giant session that i can like play live and it was rough but it all ended up working out i that tour I actually have a big stand that I don't think I brought on tour with you. And your tour on Vacant Eyes was the first tour I didn't bring the stand. Um, and I used to rest my machine on that. And it would sit up there all night. And it said Danny G. And it's wood burned in there. And it matches my uh, strap that my boss, Cornbread, from Whiskey Dick Studios, what it do. He built it for me. Um, yeah, that mount that it's attached yeah, to. Yeah, it has like a giant resting piece that like fits my laptop and has my name and some like speaker art that he burned in there it's really cool but um i would stand on the back of the stage with a table and i would use that and i just i I was stationary and then um i think it's the blue lamp in sacramento uh which means that's probably the first night we had cds uh i just decided like i want to i'm going to put the strap on and actually like try and play a song like that and I did it, and I realized the monitors that Skeptic is using to hear himself so he can rap is way better when you're close to them than this, like, shitty, like, vertical yeah. one they have Being for the ten DJ. Feet back. And, like, the stupid... There was, like, definitely always a delay because I had the speaker next to me and the speaker's in front of me, and because I'm, like you know, into audio, I could tell. I was like, God, there's like a 67 millisecond delay. I don't know which beat <laughs> is the real beat right now. And that changed all of it. I could hear myself clear and, you know, I was playing a lot more drum parts over the music and it was just so difficult to keep it on beat and I would just fuck up all the time. And then I was like, I could do it. You know, if I'm dancing and I keep the rhythm while I'm moving around, like it's easier for me to like stay on beat, just like when I'm playing guitar. And then I realized, oh shit, that's why he made me this strap. <laughs> yeah, shit, I am playing guitar, kind yeah, of. Yeah, I just had to figure out how to do it and... That's great, man, because that what you're describing is a completely different live show than what I've seen with you guys. I mean, you guys go out there as a unit, both on the front of the stage, you know, both just being active and moving around and, and participating. You know, it's, it's 
and and your banter between songs. You know, you've got the like Mark and Tom from Blink thing where you just fuck with each other in between songs or whatever. Yeah, that's that's what happens um, when you hang out with your bandmate like all the time. We work together right now. We 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 have the same job and we work together like eight hours every day that we work. Yeah, I've been there. It's pretty fun. It makes the job feel like not a job, but we still get paid. It's awesome. So, uh, fast forward a little bit, and we'll go. We'll go back to uh, go back to Wirewolf. So, at this point, you guys have been on the road. You sold your CDRs. You know, you even did like a, a reprint of it. And now you're going. All right, let's make a legitimate album. What's the mentality going into that? Oh shit. That's that was the mentality. Yeah. Um, well, because you know, I wanted it to be good, and that was the first, like I said, the first time I tried. And uh, I believe by then we already had uh, like good professional-looking copies of the first project, self-titled Double Dragon One. We call it um, Double Dragon Two or Why Wolves, as as the people know. Um, you know, we were like, let's get art. Let's get someone to do actual art based off this concept that we have. Because if if you notice, both prints of the um, like the CDR print and the professional print are just their pictures uh, of us. I took one, and Chad's friend David took another one, and I actually melded them together to kind of signify, like you know, just to bring the original one back. Because the original one, it was like, all right, we have a week, we're gonna go on album, we need a picture of us, let's go to an arcade and play a Double Dragon game and have someone take pictures of us with Double Dragon above it. And that was our album cover we came up with in like a week. And this time we were like, no, like let's come up with a concept for what the album cover will look like, you know, like with uh, the humans acting like monsters, eating out a wolf, not eating out like, like, like gross, (laughs) like you're all sick, but like eating out like, eating the wolf's innards from its stomach and chest, like trying to rip it. Like a tauntaun. Like a tauntaun. Like it'd be really warm in there if it was snowing outside. And um, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> um, what a weird way, like, you know, waking up like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> <laughs> this blanket is gooey. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, they don't show that scene, yeah, do they? Yeah, sure don't. Um <laughs> so, you know, we wanted to show that and we had like the color scheme and the ideas and we're like Luke's horrible shower. Luke's horrible shower. Oh my god. Sorry. Well that's why he's that's why he's just <laughs> in that like floating bath when you see him next, you know. <laughs> it took them like a week of him in this like chamber to just get that out. Um you know, so we we tried, you know, to come up with concepts and we made like we took notes. We took notes on everything, like what we had done and, you know, my influence um, in music and in hip hop and his as well, but I'm just going to talk about me because. Well, Skeptic had his chance and anytime I tried to get serious with him, he would just take it way off topic again. So like you you can do whatever you want with (laughs) on the subject of Double Dragon because he seemed more content just to have fun than than to get into the, the, the meat of it. So if you want to go any cool. direction, that's go for it. Um, so, you know, we took notes and we, we talked about song subjects. We're like, okay, you know, we can't have too many braggadocio songs and I want to have some, some rap songs that are just like, 
really serious and I want to have, you know, we're like, we have a song about love. We have a song that's a rap song. that's not a rap song. Uh, we have a rap song that that's primarily me singing and playing guitar and program drums. And we have an instrumental song. We wanted to bring back my guitar instrumental. And we're trying to like bring back these themes from our first album and just try to make it seem like if you listen to the projects back to back, like, oh, they kind of have these things and, but tighter, you know, like, and in, we wanted to incorporate me uh, way more, you know, on the first project, I, I may be saying some backups or like there's a part where, um, on a song where we go double dragon, double dragon, double dragon. And that was like all that I really did. And on the, on the second one, I was like, after playing live, I ended up, you know, backing him up a lot and realizing like, I can do two things at once, dude. Whoa. Yeah. And, um, so kind of started incorporating that into the, into the album and the songwriting. And, and that was, that was another thing, you know, just like, trying to change everything like how can we make this cooler like well we can incorporate you i'm on probably almost every song on why wolves if not every song doing something just because we we wanted to make it seem like i was more important instead of just the music guy which is cool you know like more of a more of an actual group a a real collaboration yeah instead of just like on all levels you know like just a guy that makes music and just a guy that raps. Like we're both doing stuff and he would give me ideas on like beats and like arrangements and themes. And like, I like this one fucking anime. Can you make me a beat like that? Well, I'll listen to it and surely I'll try my friend. He would say that. (laughs) So stuff like that. And we bonded, you know, after going on all these tours together and we learned more about ourselves and our relationship with each other. So these songs kind of reflect on, us growing closer as humans as we grow closer with our musical bond and the music implements both of us more because it's kind of like how we roll we're like a little we're a little wolf pack a little dragon pack like two (laughs) little furry dragons so tell me about uh the the direction of the new stuff i've now done a couple of tours with you guys with the y wolves material Mm -hmm. we are actually Never going to make music again. Just kidding. All right, uh, cool. Peace. I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, so the new project, there's actually two new projects. Uh, one of them, codename DD3. That's going to be our more actually cohesive album. We have a lot of concepts, you know. We already got our our Google Drive uh, spreadsheet ready, and I have all my notes for like different kinds of beats and how I want to do it. And you know, like I said, the first album wasn't very cohesive. I mean, it worked. Skeptic's voice really brought together like my random assortment of fucking tunes that I had made. Um, <laughs> And the second one, we wanted to add in, like, a lot of weird polyrhythms and, like, us, like, layering vocals over each other and, like, odd numbers. And on this next one, you know, I want to bring back in my weird beats because I make weird beats and Skeptic's weird stuff because he makes weird stuff and the polyrhythms. But this time I wanted to make it more, like, progressive, like, more changes. And none of those songs have actually even touched the surface yet, but... They're coming, and it's basically, from my standpoint, I'm trying to make the beats just 
change and be as ridiculous as possible because my always putting myself down and like how can i make my beats better what if i just like made it change a lot you know so so you're gonna focus on on arrangements and making it so it's it's not like a verse chorus song it's gonna be jumping around and 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 evolving yeah and you know we have a couple uh part one and part twos on the album already and um nice that's is this is this the album? Am I on this album? Is this the one I did the verse for? So that's that's the other album, uh, actually. Yeah. Other album. So the okay, other one, one is called uh, Player Select. So Good name. we're probably gonna do a, a few of these as the years go on, actually, because fuck it, like why not? You know, I love making music with our. We love making music with our friends, you know, and it kind of. Uh, it gives us a place to express another form of our hip hop camaraderie with people we meet on the road or people that we know in our area that we can't do on our album. And of course this limitation is purely one that we've made ourselves, you know, like we're just, we try so hard on our albums to like make it this one thing. And sometimes like the last album didn't have any feature from like an artist or anything at all. We just have this song called, you know what you did. And we just had a bunch of our random non-musical friends mostly come in and just say you know what you did you know which which i was asked to do that and it was really creepy and i like i put on the headphones to do it and i was like i I don't like this it's creeping me out it was a a good time i'm glad that you had that response i was like cool that's pretty sweet it's kind of of weirded me out um yeah. Just like a fun beat that I made, and then we were just like rapping over it. You know what you did. You know what you did. And we each switch off, and it's just stupid. But it was a great time. But it was necessary to the to the <laughs> uh, to the concept of the album. You know, like the repetitive nature of humans, and like that sometimes you do bad things and you think about those things, but you don't tell anybody, but you act weird and you project your emotions onto others. But deep down inside, you know what you did. And, um, so that, that's what that song is about. I'm not sure anybody will get it, but us, but Hey, we had a great time, but we can't just like throw a song about like hanging out with the homies in there. And it just, it feels weird. And we just, after our first album, we were like, you know, maybe we just, we make a whole other project just to fit all of our friends on. Cause we still want to do that with double dragon plus friends is the thing that we have and want to do. So player select yeah. is that one player select part one. And Sam, you're actually going to end up being on two tracks on that album. Yeah. I was going to ask cause we had another collaboration that is just mm-hmm. getting started now. I remember liking the concept when we were, yeah, funny story. RV. We were actually, um, asleep and i got up and shit in walmart um another funny story though (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was it uh i was in the back of the rv and uh you and chad were sitting up front talking about whatever the fuck chad and sam talk about when doug is asleep and danny's in the back of the rv I think I think really depressing. Yeah, that's things, what we probably. found out. And and I'm I'm sitting here like listening <laughs> to music in my headphones and this one song, um, it's a Doctor Dog song. They're a great band. I love them very much. Um, 
and this hook comes on and I, and I'm listening to the lyrics. Um, someone's alone, fell asleep on the phone, waiting like a dog for a bone. How can it be that a fish in the sea can feel like it's completely alone? The world may never know. And I was like, God damn, if I don't know that fucking feeling, that song, that makes like a wonderful subject, you know? And, and I, and I walk up to the front and I'm like, Hey guys, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I really need to share this with someone. And I played it for you. And you guys were like, we were like literally just talking about like, you know, being alone and feeling isolated in situations where it's weird or whatever and expanding on that. And we were like, Oh dude, let's make it a song then, you know? And I finally finished all four verses on the beat. Um, and I actually wrote my verse and I just need to record it. Skeptic sent me the beat and then said that you guys were already writing. And I was like, okay, well, just, just send it to me when your tracks are done then. Um, since you've already written, then I'll, I'll get a, an idea of, of how I fit into all that. But um, yeah, so that'll, that'll also be for Player Select? Yes, it player will be select? for Player Select. <laughs> Player Select? <laughs> my bad, man. Fuck. I ain't mad at you. Uh, I'm but just now kidding. I am. I'm just kidding. Cool. Um, we are making plans now, me and the and the skeptic, for uh, the rare form tour, leg two, Southwest <clears throat> United States. So um, hopefully that will be uh, coming through in February. Yeah, and and you will hear that song because um, I am ready to perform that song like right now. That's what I was gonna say is that uh that when we when we're out there this time, you know, you guys had the cameo you in know, our set, but where where I, was my I cameo know, in I, your I set, man? It, I think it's time. Now it's time. Now I'm I'm pretty positive that I like you. So it's okay. <laughs> We've done like forty shows together. I, have, I think it's I probably have plugged Sam's it's okay laptop now. in around forty times, yes. Uh <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, let's, I'm ready to play it. I think it'd be honestly like an interesting segue into your guys' set if we, um, because Skep and I have the first and the third verse and you and Doug would take the second and the fourth and it ends, um, I believe it ends with the verse or it could end with the hook, uh, whatever, I'll change the show version, but that'd be interesting if it's just like double dragon set and then we end with that song and then you guys start with the segway song or whatever like that would be cool maybe i would absolutely love it if we do that in a way that there's just two separate rigs already set up and so like you guys do your set we do the cameo at the end you put your stuff down we stay there and just keep playing and then you guys come back and we do the finale like that would be some shit i think it would be awesome you know like that's like a very uh unique idea i'm glad that we came up with it on the uh air (laughs) (laughs) yeah man i that like that's exactly the kind of shit we were talking about in the beginning that i felt like with our chemistry and and um you know a little bit of history that that we we do that stuff well already so if we can take that to the next level then i'm all about it uh, one thing, I mean, I don't know if you have another subject or if I got to shut the fuck up now, but, um, one thing I was just talking creative philosophy and just, you know, how you go about kind of like what we were talking about earlier, but I specifically spoke about someone who we both like, Mr. Louis C.K. <laughs> um, he, 
you know, I watched this, this interview with him and, um, he's talking about how he betters himself. And, you know, I'm always interested in stuff like that from creative, uh, other creative people, whether it be, you know, comedy or painting or music or dancing or anything, it doesn't matter. It's all just creative. And there's so many things you can grab from these other styles of art. And he said that, um, you know, he tries to change his show up every time he goes on tour and he, you know, so which is like every year practically. And so he's coming up with new jokes every time and to stop himself, stop himself from, you know, going stale or writing like sucky material or whatever. And this, this is, this is him saying this, not me. I think dude's genius. He gets his, you know, his best joke or his last joke, or sometimes the best joke is the last joke from his last set. And he starts his new set with that. So he has to fucking follow his best joke and he has to keep it. He has to keep writing and keep the energy up. And it's just like such a fascinating way to keep yourself busy. Yeah. I've I've heard him talk about that. I think it's a a great way to set the bar and challenge yourself that, you know, when you, when you make a show in comedy, you know, you have, uh, a big closer and it it tends to be usually one of the longer pieces of the show and you know there's more layers to it and it has a big payoff at the end and so when you take something like that and make it your first thing like I have to not only live up to this the rest of the show but then at the end I have to top it again like that is discipline that is a, a true writing discipline and I, I really respect him for that as do I um we're actually trying to to do something like that before we go on a vacant eyes tour, leg two, right leg. <laughs> no, no. That oh, was you're right. My that bad. was a year ago. We're talking about the um, super form, hard to find son. evolution. I mean, rare form. Yeah. Uh, part two, man. Sorry, all, all these two word tours are get, getting me fucked up. Sammy Warmhands on the Nasal Strips tour. <laughs> that was you guys. I, I didn't know, use it was the Nasal me. Strips. They're really awesome. Uh, but we're working on that for the um, Rare Form tour, Right Leg. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's cool, but I also want to bring a consistency on some level from what we just gave to the Northwest and Midwest cities that we're going to bring that show to the Southwest. Very interesting thing that I never would have thought of. I mean, like I've never done a tour part one and two before. So this is, um, you make a great point there. So I don't think I have either. Actually, I, it's something that we really wanted to try because we wanted to cover a lot more ground this time. Um, and we thought, well, really, the only way we could do it is by cutting it in half. So let's just separate it by a few months and, and try it. And so, yeah, in my head, I'm thinking two things. I'm thinking, yeah, let's raise the bar. Let's do that thing where we make one nonstop double set. Like, that would be the shit. And then on the other hand, I'm like, yeah, but let's also give them the show that we just gave those other yeah, places. Yeah, that's, that's great. I'm totally down for that. <laughs> so let's find, let's find a cool balance on, on how we can... Uh, you know, tweak what we did that, that worked and, you know, add a couple little, a little surprises mm-hmm. to keep it interesting, I think. Cause then, you know, 
you still got all those other tricks up your sleeve for the next the next tour that's a different thing yeah so does that mean that we can't play the uh player select song oh no we should totally do that thing i feel like that okay that needs to happen like if we if we had had a finished collab song prior to that i think we would have already yeah, been ab- doing absolutely that. it's more just a, a thing of timing like you know because me and me and ogar had our feature in the gradient set i think it would would be only natural that we would do one f- yeah for you guys uh, as one well one thing i'd like to say is and now there's no gradient <laughs> so fuck <laughs> him bitch i miss that sweaty guy <laughs> but he sweat like I don't, it's okay you know people people do that he said on the first day of tour he's like i sweat a lot just so you know i'm like it's fucking 95 degrees who doesn't <laughs> yeah. sweat a lot he said this so funny like <laughs> We're in the oh, back of the oh, RV. No, you're gonna <laughs> sweat. Oh he- nope, nope. I'm done. I'm going home. Not touring with you. We're on tour in August, man. It's go- mm-hmm. it's gonna happen. Uh, you're not alone. <laughs> Ew, are you sweating? Gross. I think I I think I cut you off a minute ago though. You were saying uh, something. Yeah, you know. Um, so the song that we're actually featuring you on, um, Skep and I have planned to we're gonna make it so that way we can play the song when you guys aren't around yeah which is gonna be great but i'm really happy because it gives me a good opportunity to um talk about you guys while we're on stage in different places because you know you guys have helped us out a lot and we're really grateful for that so we're trying to like spread your guys's name music and seeds whatever we can so that'll be great because it's going to be a good song and I'm excited for it. I feel very confident confident in um in what this song will you know how people will perceive it and just how it sounds already to me. Like I'm really proud of this one and I think that if other people like it as much as I think they will, it'll be great cuz I'll be like, yeah, this fucking song is with the homies Samuel and Douglas out of Oregon. And then you can pull up our holograms yeah, you know, and perform it. We're just gonna have uh, we're gonna have those like really big cutouts actually because we're not that rich. You know, they have like the Chewbacca cutouts and oh, stuff and nice. the Darth Vader. I've actually done Damn. that before. You beat me to it. With uh, with yeah, back in like high school when our guitarist couldn't make a big show, so we we put a at a cardboard cutout of like Steve Young totally. from the Forty ers and. Uh, I think we like dressed it up like him and put his face on it or something. It's fucking beautiful. I think we even hung a guitar nice. on it actually. That was our fake Crosby. Cool. Well, um, yeah, I look forward to uh, hearing what you guys do to the song and um, rubbing my creative fluids all over it. Awesome. I'm ready yep. for those juices. Just make sure you eat a lot of pineapples. And you don't eat a lot of red meat. And if you could do me a favor and try to eat vegetables for a week, it'll make me Ugh. happy, man. I won't, but I'll drink my juice smoothies. They have veggies inside. Mm, that's good enough, man. All right. So um, normally I like to leave with a song uh, that's a collab track. I don't know that ours is going to be done immediately. So tell me a Double Dragon song to play on the show. <clears throat> the question here is, like, do I pick a song that, like, I like. I mean, I don't know. I I'd, I'd be down to to play my guitar track from the first album, but I don't know if that's like 
me being a dick and not playing like a collab song between no, Skep and I. No, what's it called? It's called Box Full of Notes. Cool, and that's that's your solo piece from the first record. Um, yeah, it's dedicated to my um, one of my best friends. At one point, my girlfriend uh, Elizabeth, we called her Liz or Lizzie. She um, she passed away in 2010, and I made a song for her, and it's all instrumental, and it's just based off of. Um, you know, we met in middle school, and we used to pass notes back and forth all the time. And, you know, I just, I had, I kept all those notes because I'm a sentimental douche. And nice. I just Me love too. that shit, you know? And <clears throat> so I have had all these notes and as our relationship continued on, you know, we ended up just, uh, the box of notes took a different form, like email or Skyping or instant messaging and Facebook, MySpace, whatever, you know, there was just always a box full of notes involved with her up until the um, night before she passed away even. So this this song is my uh, dedication to her. So I know that you Nice, man. So yeah, I think that'd be a good one. Cool. Well, uh yeah, thanks for telling that that story. That's nice and uh and the origin story was cool to hear as well. Pleasure having you on and I'll see you in a couple months. Yeah, I know. I miss you so much. Please let me know when we're going to go on tour again so I can like talk about it and think about it. Oh my god, Sam, don't leave me. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for doing this. All right. Later, Sam. Thanks. Thank you guys for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Danny. I think he's a really genuine dude, and I've really enjoyed our time together on the road. I'm going to leave you with this Double Dragon track, but also I just want to play Amateur Hour from Rare Form because Danny made a great beat, and we got all the architects on there just killing it, so I'm going to give you both of them. This one's Amateur Hour. Cities a year, and every night a lazy rider's rhyming titties and beer. Not to mention all the locals rapping over the vocals. Another hopeful acting like he's stacking racks with the moguls. Wanna go to the other artists and show the respect, but they leave the scene the second that they finish the set, diminishing the position of every attentive listener, devaluing potential paying people into visitors. They talking loud, need to tone down the limiter. The only thing they got masters whack literature. Factor in the ego trip, rap inhibitor, they never stand out because they just too damn similar. When you Say hip, I say nothing back. Time to grab another beer, man. I heard enough of that. Jaded as a motherfucker, crushing all you suckers flat. Drinking on the bleachers while you whipper snappers running laughs. I'll come back when you're done with rap. If you give it your all, then you should get a little something back. But I ain't buying what you have fast to sell it. Bullshit at best. I could tell the smell's swelling. I love a show, but yo, it's crazy uncompelling. When you're looking like you can't tread the water that you fell in. Maybe I'll take the predictable route and tell these fake Jay-Z's to put a dick in their mouth. It's a habitual doubt when I'm listening now. All your visions and clouds at the pinnacle. Wow. Take
Take those expectations and I'm living them down. Man, I'll rock a fucking show, then I'll get in the crowd. Shit, I watch and I learn, and what's not to be earned is the prospect to pay with the option to earn it. Clock in and turn chips off, and I'm nervous, cause what most perceive as promise is worthless. I respond with a service beyond crimson curtains. Y'all are in it for yourselves, we're finished Christian sermons. Stop squirming, I'm the opening act. Most cats fake until they make it, but we're doper than that. I'm broken as fact, rotten life exposing the whack. You gotta earn your stripes, not just flow on a track for me to hold you down back. Don't gotta know your town stats, just don't be a clown, give a pound in that. Slap or you backtrack, set the ball right past that. You'll take a hit and bust like you lost a hand of blackjack. Anyone that's ever seen you lie deserves the cash back. The way my crew maneuvers smoother than the rap pack. Gotta properly rap by the master the recipe. A thousand power generators couldn't match the energy. I'm a spitting image of syllabic supremacy. Picture perfect, motherfucker. That's a photographic memory. Amateurs of the enemy, dope is what they pretend to be. Rapping about sipping Hennessy, really lacking identity. But you know what it's gonna be when I'm in the vicinity. Practice my craft endlessly. That's in my verse is centerpiece. Listeners are intimately into me from now to infinity. My style and skill and perfect symmetry to sum it up purposely. This is what you're worth to me. Ha, absolutely nothing, which makes the verse complete. Shout out to Intellectual on the scratches there. Now we got Double Dragon, box full of notes. I, was uh, I hope it feels good. You hope what feels good? I hope it feels so good to be right. There's nothing more exhilarating. 